I want to continue tonight in the series that I've been teaching on, on Nehemiah. Last week we didn't get a chance really to get into it because of the glory of God taking over in the service. Amen? And we always want to be open to the Spirit of God moving in our midst. It's pretty incredible what God's doing here through this ministry. I'm just I'm just in a in a season of my life where I'm just overcome by the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And just so thankful for what we get to be a part of. There's sometimes when you're walking with the Lord that you don't necessarily know what He's doing. But then there's times that you're walking with the Lord and all you can see is what He's doing. And we've been in a season as a ministry of what I'll call suddenlies. That God suddenly manifests, suddenly shows up, lives transformed. Story after story, story after story of God's faithfulness and goodness showing up in this ministry and I'm just just so thankful for it I really am just just overwhelmed with what we get to be a part of I don't ever want to lose the wonder and the awesomeness of the awe that comes with serving God I want to teach tonight I just want to talk to you if you want preaching you want me to spit on you you want hollering hucking bucking jumping and dancing in the Holy Ghost come back Sunday morning we're in an end time series. How many of you have enjoyed the end? Come on. Got a lot of incredible feedback. Sunday morning was standing room only. We had 16 first time visitors Sunday. Of those 16, seven of them gave their heart to Jesus. So that's the incredibleness of what God is doing here. Amen. And so if the end times intrigue you, come back. I promise you, we're going to shake some things up this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, we're going to shake it up Sunday. It's going to be good. All I'm going to preach is the Bible, though, so y'all can't get mad at me Sunday. You got to get mad at the Bible, and I don't recommend you do that because it is the infallible Word of God. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 2. When we started this series, we started in Nehemiah 1, and we saw how God took a man that saw a need and began to build something for the future, but it was, it was all positioned in prayer. And really, my heart behind this series is, if you're going to build anything with your life that is meant to last, if you're going to build for your future, the first step that you have to understand is that God never does anything apart from prayer. I can tell you that in the birthing of Dominion Church, when we planted five years ago, happy birthday, Dominion Church, just, the, just this September 9th, amen, five years ago when we planted in Kissler Hardy Funeral Home, the ministry was birthed in a season of 40 days of prayer and fasting, 40 days of prayer and seeking the face of God, calling on the name of the Lord to move in the ministry, and I believe that we are still eating some of the fruit of that, but here's what you need to understand, is we were first postured in prayer, and if God is ever going to do anything great and significant with your life, it will never be in the absence of prayer. I'll never forget a story that I heard of, of, of a great preacher, that when he was in the midst of his ministry, and there was a young preacher that visited 
his services and he asked him, he said, why and how is God moving so much? How are all these people getting saved? How is God moving so incredibly powerful? And he told him, he said, let me take you and show you. And this preacher goes by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Some of you may have heard him. Took this young preacher to a cellar, a basement, opened the door, and on his face were 120 men and women laid out before the Lord, praying in the basement of that church while, while, while the preacher was upstairs having services. And what it was was the fruit of prayer. And so I want you to understand the first thing that we realize that in building for the future, anything that God is going to do in your life will never be in the absence of prayer. But if we posture ourselves first in prayer, Nehemiah, the Bible Bible says that when he heard about the condition of Jerusalem, purposed in himself in prayer, he began to cry out to the Lord, began to call on the Lord. And when he did, when he prayed, matter of fact, the Bible tells us, if you read Nehemiah, that he prayed twice as much as he worked. He prayed for 120 days. He worked for 50, I believe is what the scripture says. So more than twice of the amount of time. So what you need to understand is that God will set us up for success in our life when we first pray. And tonight, I want to go into chapter 2. I'm really in a heart of teaching this thing because I need you to get this because how many of you here under the sound of my voice would say that you want to know what God's purpose is for your life? Anybody in the house? Amen. In the 14 years that I've been in the ministry, it's been one of the most pronounced questions is how do I know what God wants me to do with my life? How do I know I'm doing what God's asked me to do? Can I tell you something that God did not create you for you to go to a job, for you to get married, to have children, and just live the rest of your life trying to pay bills. God did not create you for that. Come on, somebody. But God created you to be a kingdom influencer, to be somebody that knows who he is, knows his voice, and to go forward and do great exploits. God gets the greatest glory out of taking common men, taking, taking common women, and using them to do extraordinary things that only God can get the glory for. So your life is not by accident. It's not by coincidence. God purposed your life with purpose. And I believe that even in this series tonight, one thing that we're going to talk about is how do we prepare for purpose? Nehemiah chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. Then I'm going to skip to verses 16 through 18. And I want us to see what happens as Nehemiah has now received the letters and the lumber. He is on his way to Jerusalem. The king has given him his favor and his blessing to go. And Nehemiah arrives in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, so I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. And I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. And I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. And we took no pack animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. And now we skip to verse 16. It says, the city officials did not know that I had been out there or what I was doing. Y'all need to catch this part. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. And I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And I told them 
about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you tonight, Father God, that purpose will be permeated in this house, Father. That hearts, God, will be pricked by your word that will ignite, Father God, that will consume. God, that will cultivate our hearts towards the purpose that you have for us. God, tonight as we gather together in this room, we gather under the only name of Jesus. Father, we gather together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that if you are for us, God, as we sung tonight, Lord, that you're fighting for us. You are with us. You are not against us. And if God be for us, who can or what can be against us? God, we thank you tonight, Father, that as we step into our purpose, we not only see the plans, but God, we see the power. We see the provision. We see you working in our lives through surrender. Help us, God, to be all that you've called us to be. Not so we can be seen, not so we can be heard, but for the glory of your name, in the powerful name of Jesus, the church said amen and amen. I want to talk to you briefly about preparing for purpose. And I think out of Nehemiah chapter 2, we begin to grab some contextual things that are very powerful and some things that I really want to teach on because I'll be honest with you, you don't really hear these things so much teached on in the church, but I think that they're key. I think they're key as we see Nehemiah who receives the account that the city of Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates and walls have been destroyed and burned. It's smoldering ashes. And it's a lot like, what if we'll understand, Nehemiah is a lot like a Jesus in our spiritual walk. And we are the city of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah went to the father and he said, he went to the king and he said, but just like Jesus went to the father and said, I see their lives in ruins. I'm going to go and I'm going to rebuild. And we find out that Nehemiah, as he rebuilds walls, Jesus rebuilds lives. Our lives were smoldering ashes. The gates of our lives were destroyed. Our lives laid in ruins. But Jesus Jesus came to where we were and began to rebuild our lives. He took heaven's resources. He took his blood. He took his words and he came and began to rebuild. Is there anybody here tonight that you have met the great contractor, Jesus, who has rebuilt your life? And so we find that Nehemiah is much like a prophetic comparison of that of Jesus and our lives are a lot like the walls of Jerusalem. But I believe that as we look in Nehemiah chapter 2, we can begin to see some things. And I'm gonna, I want to share this with you out even, even out of verse 11, that if we are going to be positioned for purpose, watch this, it says, so I arrived in Jerusalem three days later, go to verse 12. I want to walk through this. And he says, I slipped out during the night taking only a few with me. And I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. And we took no pack animals with us except for the donkey that I was riding. I want you to, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. That you have to understand that if you're going to be prepared for purpose, you will first be prepared in rest. See, that's something we don't preach in the church a whole lot of. But let me tell you something, and I'm not trying to be funny. I don't think there's anything more anointed than a Sunday afternoon nap. Can I get a witness in the house? 
You get in here, you get soaked in the glory. Come on, somebody. You done cried your eyes out on the altar. You go home, you get some of mama's chicken and biscuits, and you lay down on the couch, and it's like the Holy Ghost meets with you again, puts a blanket over you, and you get a sleep so sweet that you feel like you laying at the feet of Jesus. Is there a witness in the house tonight? Let me tell you something. If you're ever going to be prepared for purpose, you will first be prepared and rest. I want you to understand something. The Bible says that when Nehemiah showed up, he did not go straight to work. The church needs to catch this. Leaders need to catch this. Nehemiah first prepared himself and rest. He was there and he waited. Somebody say he waited. See, I think a lot of times the reason how we miss God is because we get in front of God and we get plans going. Then we ask God to bless those plans. Is there a witness in the house tonight? See, and I truly believe that when we are really positioned for our purpose, then what we are doing is Isaiah 40 and 31. We are waiting on the Lord. We are waiting on him to speak. We don't move until God says move. We don't do. Let me tell you, let me give you freedom tonight. One of the greatest things you can do for God is don't do anything until he tells you to do something. Come on, we got a bunch of busybodies in the church that feel like their purpose is wrapped up in their work. But I believe, just like Jesus with the disciples, he preached the message while he was sleeping and they were up worrying. I think it's a prophetic picture of, of the church. A lot of times we're so focused on the storms that we don't see the master asleep in the bottom of the boat. And if we are going to really position and prepare for our purpose, I want you to know something. There's an incredible amount of preparation that comes in rest. Don't ever, listen to me, my God, I feel like I really need to preach this point tonight. Don't ever feel guilty for not doing anything. Listen, don't nobody preach a more serving message than me. I know that. I preach all the time. You better serve. You were saved and you were saved to serve. You weren't saved to sit. I preach that message. But there is an understanding that there is power that comes under God's sabbatical, under God's rest. The Bible says six days he worked and on the seventh day he rested. What I came to tell you is we got a church that wants to work seven days a week and there ain't nothing wrong sometimes with saying no. I I need to sit still and hear the Lord. I don't need the phone on. I don't need the, my God, I don't need the TV on. I don't need a, I don't need a, listen to a podcast. I just need to lay before the Lord. I need to get quiet. I need to be still and know that he is God. I need to wait on the Lord so that I can mount up on the wings of eagles. I just need to be silent in his presence sometimes. The most powerful thing some of you can do is go home, put your phone on, do not disturb, and say, I got to get alone with Jesus. I'm telling you, there is power. There's a book inside of me that God's been asking me to write for over 10 years. And the name of the book is called Sabbatical Understanding God's, or Reach Up to Reach Out, Sabbatical Understanding God's Call to Rest. Because I truly believe that longevity happens in our lives when we know when God says, wait here, and we wait here. Any of y'all got those kids that don't know how to sit still? <laughs> My sister right here on the front row. I, I, I don't know, sister. There's an anointing on you tonight. I feel that. Amen. It's almost like we got the same kids. 
But don't it aggravate the mess out of you when you look at them? You're like, can't you sit still for two minutes? Mom, 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 daddy, 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 daddy. All right, I got some witnesses in the house. Watch. It's annoying. Can I get an amen? What do you think God thinks about you sometimes? Wait here, wait here. you like, daddy, 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 daddy. Hey, God, hey, God, hey, God, hey, hey, hey. He's like, I said wait there. Okay, okay, I'll wait here. God, 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 God. Hey, 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 real quick, real quick. Did you mean wait right there or can I wait here? Rest. You'll ne- watch this, watch this. Come on, here comes your revelation. You'll never understand your purpose until you first position yourself and know how to rest when you need to rest. Watch this, watch this. I'm going to help somebody because those that don't know how to rest will start in purpose, but they will burn out or they will rust out. I've seen a many men and women of God, they started out good, but they didn't finish well simply because they didn't know how to say no. Can I tell you that me and Jamie had to sit a whole year after being in ministry for two years because we didn't know how to say no. Come on, somebody, let me help a witness in the house. Oh, my God. All right, Holy Ghost, let's go. We're going to make some people mad. And some of y'all fine with the other people in the church that do all the work because you don't got to do nothing. And they burning out and they rusting out. And you don't care as long as you got yours. As long as everything's right. As long as the AC's on. The screens are up. The worship's happening. The preacher's preaching. And you sitting there ain't done nothing in three years. Talking about look what the Lord has done. You doggone right the Lord's done it because you haven't done anything. You know what I call them? Oil leeches. They find a little bit of anointing and they like this. be like get get off of me let me stay on the notes I'm gonna offend somebody there'll be more room for Jesus come on listen to me can I tell you something nobody wants to fight while you're fatigued and how many of you would agree that this spiritual walk is a constant series of battles Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about? If it is a constant series of battle, then there should be an equal measure of rest. The Bible says it this way, that the multitude thronged him. When Jesus came preaching and teaching, what, what happened, watch this, you'll find out there are more people in your life that know how to pull than there are to pour. We all got people that'll pull. We all got people that'll demand. We all got people that want to receive. But my God, I'm praying. God, don't just raise up those that want to pull. Raise up those that want to pour. Pour some oil in. Pour some healing in. Pour some anointing in. Pour some hope in. My God, where are the people that don't just do a demand? That don't just get the given, but they start receiving too. I know I said I was going to teach. Y'all should have known that was a lie. I think the Lord tells me that just so I sit down and pull up this little stool and look real cute. And then all of a sudden, I'm spitting on you. Watch, 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 watch. 
Learning to rest will make sure that you don't burn out and rust out. I want you to understand, watch this. Not every leader burns out, some rust out. What is rust out? Rust out happens from the inside out. Rust happens from the inside out. And you're in error when you are trying to do for the Lord, when you're trying to work for the Lord, but you're not putting any of the Lord inside of you. Can I tell you the the deficiency of the biblical illiteracy in America is because we have so many preachers that stand in pulpits, but they don't spend no time in the prayer closet. They don't, they, they all want to preach a sermon that they can get off Google, but ain't nobody spending time in their Bible. And I'm telling you, it's the reason why preachers rust out because they're not putting anything on the inside. Do you know how you get rust in the bottom of a gas tank? I'll tell you how you get rust. You quit putting in what needs to be inside of it and it will rust from the inside out. How do you burn out? I'll tell you how you burn out. You simply do it at both ends. So either you rust out or you burn out. When you refuse to rest, you will rust out or burn out. Burn at both ends. Say yes to everything and everyone. You'll burn out real quick. You know, I used to worry that some people, I wasn't available for them if they called me. I used to feel like I had to answer every call. My God, I thank you for the Holy Ghost that set me free. Because I can't be everything to everybody. Because if I'm everything to everybody, there'll be nothing left for anybody else. All right. I got to move on. All right. So you're going to be prepared and rest. Verse 11 says that he waited. When he showed up, he didn't go straight to work. He hung out for three days. Do you see that? Pull it back up. They think I'm lying, media team. He said he hung out for three days. He was there. He just, he didn't go straight to work. He didn't go straight to work. He waited. Some of us, it would do us really good just to wait on the Lord. The second thing that if we're going to be prepared in purpose, we're going to first be prepared and rest. You ready? The second thing that we will be done is we will be prepared in our ability to evaluate. Verse 12, watch. Verse 12. And he said, so I slipped out during the night. Everyone say the night. Okay. Taking only a few. Everyone say a few. few. Others with me. And I had not told anyone. Everyone say anyone. anyone. About the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except for the donkey that I was riding. I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something. When Nehemiah was set out, he set out to evaluate. Everyone get that? The Bible says he went out at night. My God, I'm going to help some people. If you're going to walk in your purpose, you better quit telling everybody what you're doing all the time. One of the greatest things in the kingdom that you can learn is learn how to move in silence. Some of you, oh my God, I'm just going to, I just got to talk this thing out tonight. Some of you, you want to get on social media and write a diary about everything that's going on in your life. And then you want to wonder why the warfare intensifies. Can I tell you, it's because those witches and warlocks, you just gave them the script, the play by play. And now they know how to pray against that. Ah, now they know how to pray against anything and everything that's happening in your life. That new job that you was all talking about, that new car that you got, whatever your your fancy is that you felt like you needed to write a journal about, some of you need to learn how to move in silence. Quit telling everybody what you're doing all the time. My God, one of the most anointed things that the church can do sometimes is shut up. 
and not have anything to say. Move in silence. You know, when Dominion was going under contract of this uh, with the PD Electric building, do you know that it was over a month before y'all found out? We were 40 days in by the time y'all found out. Attorneys were hired. Thousands of dollars were, were already committed into, into, uh, into earnest money. What were we doing? It wasn't that we didn't want you to know. We just knew that if we were going to secure what needed to be securing, there needed to be a few that could take a walk with me and me say, hey, let's evaluate this thing. Let's look and see what God's doing. And when we got there, yes, then we came back and told the city. We posted it on social media. You got to learn to move in silence if you're ever going to do something great for God. Some of y'all break up. First thing you ready to do is post your relationship status. Some of y'all buy a new car. You out there taking selfies. Look at me. We so excited to be seen. But this kingdom is about those that can hide. My God, you better hear me. The world says, look at me. But the kingdom says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The world says, can I be seen? But this kingdom says, the one that gets down is the one that learns how to get up. Learn to move in silence. Prepared in evaluation. Some of us never walk in the fulfillment of what God has for us because we're too busy telling everybody what we're going to do. Oh, this is good teaching. This is good teaching. This is good teaching. If you're going to be prepared in your purpose, watch this. I, I encounter people all the time. Little super spiritual prophets. The first time they get a word, they got a, I got a word from the Lord. You know how I know people are really prophetic and people that are mature in the prophetic? Prophetic, they sit on things. They sit on things. And then they move in order. They take those prophetic words even to their leaders and say, hey, will you pray into this? Hey, what does the Spirit say? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking about submission now. I'm talking about everything being done decently in order. See, but we got a church and we got a, we got a nomadic movement where people just want to be seen, where they just want to be heard. Put me up on the stage with the lights. Put me up on the live stream and put me into the nations. But they don't understand the warfare that comes with it. They don't understand the hits that come with it. They don't understand the spotlight might be on you but so is the target of the enemy my god if we're going to be positioned in purpose we have to learn how to properly evaluate luke 14 and 28 says this but don't begin until you count the cost my god let that settle on somebody's ears tonight let that be a word. You want a word from the Lord? There's your word. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who, built, who, who, who began construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? You want a word? Before you sign up for the ministry, you better make sure God has graced you enough to carry it. Come on, you want a word before you plant a church. You better make sure there's an anointing on you to make sure that you can finish it because he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But you need that grace on your life before you just run out and say yes to everything and anything. I'm talking about proper evaluating. 
Nehemiah didn't run right out and tell everybody what he was doing. Nehemiah didn't set up signs and say, hey, workshop. No, he moved by night. And he only let a few know what he was doing because he knew that there was a cost that had to be evaluated first. See, if we're ever going to do something great for God, you better be not so quick to say yes. You better be more quicker to say how much does it cost? Quanto cuesta? How much does it cost? Because there is a cost with everything. And if we do not properly evaluate, we will say yes to a payment we're not willing nor able to pay. Understand, in his evaluation, watch this, Nehemiah wasn't just evaluating the building. Nehemiah wasn't just evaluating the work. Nehemiah was evaluating the people that were walking with him. Sometimes evaluation, real evaluation, is taking those that you entrusted yourself to and you allow them to evaluate it with you, not so that you can see what they see, but so you can feel what they feel and their response will tell you whether or not they are really with you. My God, catch that. Some of you are called to something. You need to learn to reveal it to a faithful few and trust it to a faithful few. And when they do, don't look for their response. Sit back and watch their attitude. Oh my God. A preacher told me one time something so powerful. He said, Kyle, if they'll pout when they're left out, they'll puff up when they're brought in. Did you hear what I said? If they'll pout when they're left out, they'll puff up when they're brought in. What am I telling you? I'm telling you there's been times in my life in ministry that I've intentionally left people out. I intentionally didn't call them. I intentionally didn't invite them. Why? Because I wanted to see where their heart was. Oh, y'all want an apostolic handbook. Here it is tonight. Let me tell you something. There are times that I intentionally didn't pick up the phone because if you'll pout when you are left out, you will puff up when you're brought in. Mm. Jesus. It's all about the evaluation. You got to be selective, selective with people. You got to be selective with the information that you give. Notice this that he trusted it into a few, few men. Watch this. But before you learn to lead, learn to study. <laughs> Come on. There's a whole revelation in that, y'all. Watch this. Nehemiah didn't say, Yup, I'll do it. He studied first. The Bible says a workman need not be ashamed, but study to show thyself approved, rightly dividing the truth. What did God say? God said, before you ever try to fix the wall, you better study its condition. Before you ever step up and begin to give somebody a word, you better study the condition. What did he say? You got to learn to evaluate before you ever learn to lead. You got to learn to study it before you ever go out and try to fix it. Oh, come on, somebody. Learn. Before you lead, study and pray. The second thing is this, that you need to understand perspective before directive. Everybody wants to tell everybody what to do. But what God's saying is, what does it really look like? See, because we can't properly tell people what to do if we don't even know what it looks like. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't know. Y'all didn't work in the secular world. I worked, I worked construction. I was a home builder for 15 years. Don't you know everybody wants to tell you what to do? 
but nobody can show you how to do it. Oh my God, come on, let me help somebody. It's the understanding that they said too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Am I preaching anybody's language tonight? Do you hear what I'm saying? He said, you better learn perspective before you ever learn directive. Don't you worry about telling anybody what to do until you yourself know what needs to be done. Jesus. Before you share, watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Before you share, know who cares. What did Jesus say? He said, don't go out casting your pearl before swine. Come on, somebody. Uh, so many times we're so quick to share, so quick to, we just want to be heard, so quick to just blah, 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 blah. And all you're doing is you cast and pearl before swine. Do you understand the significance of that scripture? He's saying you're taking what is precious and putting it in front of what is vile. Pearls were meant to be worn and paraded. But when you put it in front of a swine, a pig, a hog, he'll eat it. And what you have to realize is before you ever share, you better learn who cares. Get the people around you that you know are carrying the burden and then start releasing vision. Do you hear what I'm teaching tonight? And then before you plan, you better pray. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, watch. So many people want a plan. So many people want to write plans. So many people want to write plans. I got to write plans. I'm going to write plans. I'm planning to do this. I'm planning to do this. When is the last time you said, I'm praying to do this? Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the for I know the, I know the, I have for you, says the Lord. They are for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Catch this. You ready? God has the plans, but you have the prayer. We all want to develop the plan, but God says, I got the plan. What I need you to do is plan to pray. Evaluate, properly evaluate. Get yourself in the position. You ready? The third thing that I'm doing, if we're preparing for purpose, you ready? The third thing that you're going to do after the evaluation is then you have to prepare in vision. You have to prepare in vision. Where there is no vision, the Bible says, people perish. I love it when I hear things like church is boring. Truth be told, a lot of churches are very boring. Oh, y'all real quiet. Say amen or say oh me. But a lot of churches are very boring. A lot of churches you can just curl up and go to sleep with. Thank God they got blankets back here. If you feel a little nappy nap coming on, just grab one and lay down. Because the truth is, is there's nothing in the service that's challenging you. There's nothing in the service that's awakening you. There's nothing in the service that's stirring you. What is happening? There are people perishing under preaching because there's no life in it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Of course people are sleeping in our churches. We're serving them SpaghettiOs. Child's food. Come on, somebody. Gerber sermons. Nanner pudding. Come on, somebody. Give me some meat. Give me something that'll challenge me. If I'm feeling a little sleepy, slap me with something that'll wake me up. Where there is no vision, the people are perishing. I, I want to I give this to you that God gave me. You ready? Write this down. This is so good. Ready? And I'm almost done. I know it's 8.07. Some of y'all sleepy because you 
just sleepy. Get your little pens out. Get your little pencils out. Write this out. This is what the Lord said. He said, if I have put it on your heart, I will put it in your hand. If I have put it on your heart, I will put it in your hand. Watch this. The Bible says that he is faithful to complete it. The Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. My God, you want a word? Ready? Here's your word. God never starts something until he first seen it finished. If something starts, it's because he's already been to the end of it. And the Bible said in Romans 8, now he goes back and causes all things to work together for the good to bring you about to an expected end. God will never start something without first finishing it. So when something starts in your life, you better believe God's already been to the end of it and he's already seen the completion of it. He's already seen you standing in promise. He's already seen you walking in your purpose. My God, let me talk to the starter tonight. Let me talk to the one that's walking in something and it's new that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You will need to see a thing, ready? Before you ever be a thing. If you can't see it, you can't be it. I don't mean to sound cheesy tonight, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of truth to that. If you can't see it, You'll never be it. Kyle, how do you walk out of 14 years of, uh, of addiction? Kyle, how do, you, how do you walk out of a lifestyle of, uh, of organized crime, prostitution, slinging cocaine? Kyle, how do you walk out of that life? I'll tell you how. Because I began to see the goodness of God. I no longer saw myself as an addict. I no longer saw myself as a generational alcoholic. I no longer saw myself as a sleazeball. But I started seeing myself as the anointed of the Lord. I started seeing myself called to preach this gospel I started seeing myself with the work of God in my life and when I saw it I started walking in it I started realizing I am not who you say I am I am who he says I am give God some praise in this place come on hallelujah hallelujah Jesus glory to God Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk 2 says this, write the vision and make it plain so those that read it may run with it. Though it tarry, wait for it. For in the end, it shall surely speak. I love this. When God gives you a vision, you ain't even got to tell nobody about it. Your vision will tell everybody about it. Catch this though. Write the vision, make it plain so those that read it run with it. The person that's saying it is not the person that's seizing it. When you sit up under visionary leadership, their job is not to make the vision happen. Their job is to release the vision so those that read it can run with it. My God, is there any runners in here tonight that said, I thank God for vision. I grabbed it. I'm running with it. Hmm. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. All right. I'm, 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 I'm coming to a close. I'm coming to a close. Come on, Brooke. If you want to come on, worship team, whatever, let's go. The fourth point, my fourth point, if you're ever 
going to build for the future and you're ever going to be positioned for your purpose, then you have to understand point number four. Ready? Here it is. You have to be purposed in work. I know I started this thing in rest, but watch this. Real rest will cultivate healthy work. Do you hear what I'm saying? You won't work just to say that you're working. You will work from your worth. Real worth generates work. When you're gifted, when you're anointed, when you are talented, when you are called, when you are chosen, you know that you cannot passively sit by. There will be a stirring in your heart. There'll be a purposing in your passion. There will be a, there'll be a resonating in you that'll say, I cannot sit by. I got to get up. I got to do something about it. You will be purposed in your work. You'll be purposed in your work. Go, go to verse 17 and 18 in Nehemiah chapter 2, 17, 17. It says, but now I said to them, you know very well that we're the trouble we're in and Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. What happened? Nehemiah, he properly rested. Then he properly evaluated. And when he evaluated, he knew who he could do the work with. And when he found out who he could do the work with, he said, let us put an end to this. Let's stop what's been going on. Dominion Church, hear me tonight. I feel compelled to say this to you. God has laid before us a great and exceeding door. Uh, an understanding that church as we know it can change regionally through this ministry. And tonight, I just feel the anointing of, of Nehemiah to rise up and say to you, the PD region lies in ruins. The gates of our region are smoldering. The walls of conviction have been broken down. Let us rise up at once and let's put in the work to see a move of God like we've never seen before. Let's see cities in revival. Let's see transformation that only comes from the cross. Let's see the hope restored. Let's see revival come. Let's see lives transformed families reunited let's see the power of the holy ghost flowing through a people that many have discarded that many said there ain't no way let's be nehemiah's to show up in the region and say we have seen our cities we have seen our homes and we will not sit by while they're in disgrace we will be positioned and purposed in the work i want to read philippians 2 12 to you Philippians 2 and 12 said, and I want to read it out of the Amplified Version. This is powerful stuff. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is cultivated. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Go to verse 13. For it is not your strength, but it is a God. It's God who is effectively at work in you, both to his will and to the work that is strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Stand with me all over this house. Listen to me, Dominion. 
you are going to be positioned for your purpose, you have to understand that your purpose is only found in his good pleasure. You'll never live a life that feels like it means anything until you're living a life that you know is pleasing God. And sometimes to please God, you got to learn not to walk with the crowd, but you got to learn to walk alone. Come on. Sometimes you'll feel like you're walking in the night. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you'll feel like you're alone and the only thing you got with you is some stupid donkey. Come on, somebody. You'll feel like you're walking around something that's in shambles and it'll be at night. It ain't going to be in the spotlight. It ain't going to be when everyone could see you. If you're going to walk out your purpose, you're going to understand your purpose is in his good pleasure. You'll never do anything great for God if you're worried about you. Jesus said it this way. He said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, but nonetheless, not my will, your will be done. What did he say? He said, God, I don't want my purpose. I want yours. What good is a life if it's lived out of my own ambition? What good is a life if it's lived with my dreams? What good is a life if it's lived with my will? God, nonetheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And the Bible said for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Joy came through his obedience. Let me tell you something. Promotion, houses, cars, money, success, it will give you happiness. It will absolutely give you happiness. Don't you believe that lie that money can't make you happy? Because it can. But it cannot give you joy. Because happiness only endures for the season. But joy is far beyond the natural. It's far beyond the tangible. It's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can't put words on it. When joy wells up inside of me, my bank account can be empty. My car can be broke down. But I can still bless the Lord. Because I'm being positioned for purpose. Nonetheless, not my will. But thy will be done. Verse 18, verse 18, pull it up really quick. Says this. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Listen to me, Dominion. The most powerful step that you can take tonight towards activating your purpose is a simple yes to the Lord. Will you stand with me all over this house? If you're not already standing, stand with me all over this house. I believe by the Spirit of God that I have been commissioned tonight to stand before the people of God and give a revelatory word that will unlock destinies and begin to manifest purpose in this house. I believe I've come with the instructions of the Lord. I don't believe these to be my words, but I believe them to be the word of the Lord for this house. And I have poured myself out as a cup into the people to that you would taste of the Lord and see that he is good. And God has lavished his love on you tonight. And the only thing that God is saying is worthy of your response is a simple yes. I feel him in this place. You don't need an elaborate answer. You don't need a manifold understanding. All you need to simply say 
is yes. Yes. This is what I want to do tonight. If you feel that God has put a demand on your yes, you feel God stirring something in your heart. There's things he's been showing you in the night. Dreams and visions have been coming to you. And you feel this pull, you feel this call, you feel this challenge from the Lord. If that's you, God's requiring your yes in this season. He's requiring your yes in this season. If that's you, I want you to know you're, you're in a you're in a solemn, you're in an assembly of covering. In other words, I'm gonna ask you to step out, but I'm saying. Holy Spirit, shield. Holy Spirit, cover. Destinies, purpose, dreams, ministries. God, things that you're birthing in this house right now. Hallelujah. Cover them, Lord. Lord, cover them, Lord. Cover them, Lord. Cover them, Lord. Let them come under the shadow of the Almighty. Let the wings of the Lord spread out over them, Lord. Let them be like biddies gathered under the hen. Lord God, cover them. Cover them. Cover them. Shelter. Protect. Shield. Cover. If you're here tonight and you feel God putting a demand on you in this season to simply say yes, I want you to come to this altar right now. Come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. Thank you, Lord. Come, 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 come. Whatever the yes is, it doesn't matter what it is. You just know the Lord has put a demand on your purpose for you to say yes. God, it's not what I want. God, it's not what I want it to look like. God, it may not even look like what I... Listen to me, Nehemiah would have been fine being the cupbearer. He was living in the king's courts. He was seated at the king's table. He was walking to the throne day in and day out. He had no reason to leave. It was good where he was, but God put a demand of a yes on Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's yes birthed many yeses. Who's connected to you? Who is called to you? Who is anointed to be a part of what God's called you to do? And in this moment and in this season, your yes will unlock the destiny of many yeses. Hallelujah. Lord, I want you to say this. Say, Lord, I say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. God, receive every yes that's on this altar tonight. Receive every yes, God, that's on that campus. God, receive every yes in Africa. Every yes in Pakistan. Every yes, God, in the Philippines. God, every yes that's rising from the nations of the earth. God, receive our yes tonight. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes.